Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Oh, baby, week two is in the books, and we are here with the Monday recap episode. I am your host, Tim Petrop, of course, here with my Monday partner, my left-hand man. He's a lefty, by the way, Michael Petrop. What up, Mike? Monday fun day, baby. You know, the you relaxed recap episode. You, Michael loves to, to point out that the recap episode is relaxed all the yeah, time. Yeah, we, because I, we all spend fucking Monday through Friday... Uh, every free minute doing fantasy research. Yeah. Well, not Monday. Uh, Monday we set up for this episode, but that's about it. Um, so Tuesday through Friday and sometimes Saturday, just all fantasy research. So it's nice to, you know, just sit back, relax, have a nice little not as intense podcast every now and then. Facts. And it's a reaction and it's it's always, it's fun. This was a particularly fun Sunday I'll tell because... You Go ahead. Tim, Go ahead. Go talking Mike. about... Fun. One of my answers is uh, just to spite you. So yeah, we'll I, I would imagine that most of your answers during the season <laughs> would be just to spite me. Um, where where was I? Oh, speaking of fun, the, the this this week didn't start out so fun. There was a lot of no one cares touchdowns by no one cares players, um, and then we had some kind of like really slow starts. Like the, the fantasy day started off. Very slow. If you're in like a, I know in the Yahoo leagues they uh, project, and when you're projected lower, if you if you're projected now to score lower than you originally projected, you, it shows up the color red. And if you look at all the leagues, like I'm in a league, I own I own so many, like I roster so many guys that I just go through leagues, and the whole all my all of my leagues were red after uh, up until like 3:30 Eastern. Um, but then that changed quickly with the ending of the games. And then those four o'clock games that were absolutely fire, and then definitely with that Sunday night game that was out of this world fire, Lamar Jackson just taking over the entire game and willing his way to victory. Um, week two was pretty good, though I must admit. Yeah, there were some some down performances, though. Like I do think overall, week two was certainly lesser scoring than week one was. Like we don't have those huge. Um, I'm sure there are some huge team performances out there with guys who have like Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, and Lamar Jackson all on the same team. But it seems like there was a it was a lot less low scoring overall across all my leagues this week. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that's kind of where we're at. I, I'll tell you what, me personally, like selfishly, my predictions were a lot better than this week than they were week one. I I, I kind of had a, a little bit of a rough week one because I I. I lean too much on last year. And you you remember every year you kind of make the same mistake. You remember that last year doesn't really matter. Like last year you can you can get some information from what happened last year, but especially this year we have 12 starting quarterbacks that were not the starting quarterbacks of their teams in the beginning of 2020. So this year it, that's a lot of transition. 12 new starting quarterbacks. That's OD transition. So when you when you look at it like that, it's you know, you you can even less count on last year already. Uh you know the Brodo motto if you've been listening to us a, a long time. After week four, we throw last year completely in the garbage. 
Week four is the last time you could even look at last year. Once you have a four-game sample size, you're going over what they've done this year. Um, speaking about what they've done this year, do you know what we've done this year? We invented an app. It is the absolute best fantasy app out there, and that's why we call it the Fantasy Football App. The Fantasy Football by Brodo app gives you literally everything you need to dominate your fantasy performances. And to put it even better than that, we're just four dudes who do this because we love it, who invented an excellent project and a, a, a product, excuse me, and care about it. We update the, the stats quicker than any other situation that you can go for it for these stats. Week week two stats are already in. They're already in. So all of these features that I'm about to tell you, fantasy player cards, who to who to start, start sit tool, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, usage, uh usage like like target percentage, snap percentage, game logs, coaching tendencies, and of course podcasts, articles, rankings, waivers, and advanced stats like true throw value, true target value. All of those things are updated quicker than anybody else. And this app is absolutely free. I repeat, absolutely free. Download the app. Try it out. If you don't like it, delete it. What's the difference? Right? What is the difference? It's free. But I promise you, you will like it. And that's why we're giving it to you for free. And the reason we can give it to you for free, of course, is the people over at patreon.com slash brotofantasy. The Broto fam, as we love to call them, because we are bros, so everyone together is fam. Um, the Broto fam. Today, Michael hops in the Discord. It was funny. Today, Michael hops in the Discord and he goes, yo, guys, I love it that I put my phone down for an hour and I come back and there's 100 plus messages in the Discord. I love how active it is in here. And it is. It's a phenomenal community that we have. And on top of that, you get a free waiver wire podcast. You get free giveaways. You play in leagues with us. Uh, free uh, Another episode per week, uh, consultations, giveaways. The DFS optimizer, which, by the way, put together teams of almost 180 points. Two weeks in a row now. Uh, hello, we've got the optimizer we've got, is out here. We've got the goods. That's all I'm saying. We've got the goods. I mean, anybody who is the wide receiver RB one or wide receiver one to your patron who have been using the um the optimizers, they would have made their monthly money back and more already. So, just throwing that out there. We don't we don't know anything but value. We get value in our drafts, and we have value in our products. Uh, speaking of value, we are currently uh, recording this as Jamal Williams takes the first handoff starting for the Lions. Which uh, uh, I mean, that's what happened. That's what happened last week too. Right, right. One A, one A. Um, well, yes, we're recording and this then he during played Monday Night Football. Thirty-five percent of snaps. So we'll uh, see. I'm I'm on the. I I think Jamal Williams has a like three four point fantasy game today but time will tell i'm very much hoping that's not the case i need 10 points combined from tj hawkinson and jamal williams tonight uh you'll probably get it from hawk either way i well well you shut your mouth michael you shut your mouth you shut Uh, your mouth when i'm talking to you (laughs) so while this game goes on let's talk about the games that are not monday night um let's and you know also we we don't want to leave you hanging with the monday night recap we do briefly recap the monday night game on the patron pod we give a Thursday night preview on the Patreon pod. We give our waiver wires, which is super important on the Patreon pod. But first, let's get into what we're talking about today. You know the drill. Our first segment uh, for Monday is the headlines with our boy, 
Donnie H. Donnie H. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. Yeah, baby. Let's start with some good news. Since we're in the Donnie H, let's talk about Daryl H. Daryl Henderson. Uh, Sean McVay said Daryl Henderson is dealing with a rib cartilage issue, which a rib cartilage issue, okay. But the team has hope and optimism that he will be ready for week three against the Bucks. Michael, Daryl Henderson looked good. He had a good fantasy performance while he was in. Sony Michelle also looked decent. This is a running attack where whatever running back is in this attack is probably going to have relevance. If Daryl Henderson can't play, Sony Michelle uh, needs to be a person who is probably in starting lineups next week. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because Daryl Henderson continued to play the vast majority of snaps. He Sony Michelle didn't even have a carry um, while he while Daryl Henderson was playing and healthy. So that is a one-man backfield that Sean McVay is utilizing. So if Daryl Henderson does have to miss time, it is going to be Sony Michelle in that backfield, more likely than not getting 70-plus percent of the snaps at least. And in a Sean McVay offense, you want that guy on your team. So this is someone who is rostered in a lot of leagues, but also not rostered in several other leagues. So this will be discussed plenty, I assume, on tomorrow's patron waiver wire pod. Uh Speaking of injuries and speaking of backfields and speaking of snaps, dude, have you ever seen any job in the United States that is more dangerous than 49ers running back? No. Dude, you can't. I'd rather, uh, <laughs> what is it? What's like the most dangerous? I'd rather be like a like stunt an, double or something. Stunt or, or like an Alaskan. <laughs> uh, I heard the Alaskan crab farmers uh, like die all the time for the crabs. Well, for the crab well then. I hope you guys enjoy the crab legs. They are they are delicious. Um, Jamichael Hasty ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, considered week to week. Not only that, Trey Sermon dealing with a concussion. Elijah Mitchell, uh, Elijah Mitchell, excuse me, came out of the game and then came back in the game uh, last week. As of right now, Lamar Miller, T.J. Yeldon, and Duke Johnson are all visiting San Francisco this week. At least one of them probably will be signed, especially considering that Trenton Cannon um, is the only 100% healthy back on the roster. And I believe Trenton Cannon has the most rushing yards of anyone on the roster right now who's active, career. So that shows you the situation that's going on uh, with the 49ers. Um, I, I, don't, I don't even know what else to say, honestly. Yeah, it's been crazy. Um, and I just want all the people taking victory laps about Elijah Mitchell, who didn't spend all the fab on him. He had 17 carries and two receptions as a part of the 49ers offense. And got a touchdown. Like bad offensive days happen. Yeah, and got a touchdown uh, overturned. Yeah. So, like, bad offensive days happen. Like, people pissed me off. Well, everyone, are they going to start crying about Joe Mixon, who had just as shitty of a game? Oh, we're, we're... I feel like there's a correlation between dumbass Joe Mixon lovers and People who are shitting on Elijah Mitchell fab spenders as if he didn't get 19 touches in a Shanahan backfield. Uh, I I still don't have a problem with with Elijah Mitchell. If any, like you said, I think Elijah Mitchell the the entire team only ran for 3.1 yards of carry as a whole. So I think yeah. Elijah Mitchell 
I think he's. I think I, I'm. I'm. I'm disappointed if I started him, but I'm optimistic. Like I feel more comfortable starting Elijah Mitchell next week than I did starting him this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not Trey Sermon getting the carries or Jermichael Hasty. It was Elijah Mitchell's backfield, and as long as he's healthy, that's the way it seems it's going to be in San Fran. Tyrod Taylor, who had himself a good game, we shit it on Tyrod. Ta- uh, Tyrod Taylor. has been ball in the first two games top 10 and true throw value too so this is unfortunate really unfortunate because a guy like Tyrod Taylor is one of the good guys in the league so like while yes you kind of shit on him because he's never had that great success you root for him as a human you root for him as a person as a guy so it sucks that this happened to him as a human as a person as a guy um Davis Mills uh will probably be backed up by Jeff Driscoll who's on the practice squad Davis Mills is a third round rookie that had very limited starting experience um, in college. It's not that he didn't start any games, uh, but he didn't start many games. Uh, he's like a, a Matt Castle type where he was supposed to be much better, but he had a whole bunch of people uh, like like Matt Castle at USC. So it's going to be interesting to see Davis Mills because a lot of people say that if he had a fair shake in college, if he didn't get injured and if he didn't like not get the playing time, that – he would be a first-round type of guy because he has first-round type of talent. So he'll get his opportunity. Um, he didn't get it in college, but he's going to get it here. Yeah. Um, that does not make the Texans' offense any more palatable. I mean, they were <laughs> actually playing a lot better than expected, I think. I think everyone would agree with that the first couple games offensively. Philip Lindsay had a receiving touchdown. Brandon Cooks had another nice game. I don't know how long that's going to last. I'd, last. I'd still be trying to trade Cook, especially now. Um, they said the hamstring injury is pretty severe, and they're waiting for swelling to go down to no more. Um, so he's going to be out multiple weeks, I assume. And Davis Mills, like you said, a third-round rookie, doesn't have too much experience. Obviously, is just getting thrown into the fire here. So this is uh, not good for the Houston Texans' um, fantasy outlook. Uh, speaking of Houston Texans fantasy outlook, a guy that a lot of people thought was a sleeper, Nico Collins, is expected to miss up to three to four weeks. Um, la- he got his first start last week, 32 yards, one target, and then exited the game. Uh, always sucks when that kind of happens. Um, Brandon Cooks, man, Brandon Cooks has been good. And I- I'm someone who was like, oh, he can't overcome this. He can't overcome this. So far, he has. But I will say this, and something that's very important to note. Let's take the time to go back to 2019. Michael, do you know who the top two wide receiver scorers after two weeks in 2019 were? I do, yes. It's John Ross and Sammy Watkins. John Ross and Sammy Watkins, who failed to be fantasy relevant even a single week um, after that. And shout out to Nick. Uh, Nick... Uh, is a patron, longtime patron, and a pal of ours. And today he traded Debo Samuel and Michael Pittman for AJ Brown. And I, I felt like a proud dad, man. Like you, you have you have graduated. <laughs> Nick's a good fantasy player, always has been. So good shit, because that's exactly how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to take these dudes who have obvious, obvious like games where they can't keep this up the whole year. And then you flip them for a guy like A.J. Brown. Um, Brandon Book, Brandon Brooks, um, the right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles, will miss time again. 
placed on injured will be placed on injured reserve. Uh, and Andy Dalton as well suffered a knee bruise. His status for week three is unclear. And this is the most important news, I think, is Andy Dalton's injury. Because now Justin Fields will at least start in this game against the Browns. And, you know, the head coach, Matt Nagy, says the right thing. He says, Andy Dalton is our starter when he's healthy, and it's going to stay that way. But he's probably saying that for a very specific reason. So that if Justin Fields plays shitty, he can bench him without it having to you know, affect the team, affect the press negatively. It's like, oh, okay, well, he said that Andy Dalton was going to be the starter. This doesn't have anything to do with with, um, with Justin Fields. Or Justin Fields can do what I believe he's going to do and play so well on the field that he's not going to come out. Justin Fields' time has begun, baby, and it's against the Browns. Lock it in and remember who told you first. Yeah. Remember that it's Tim telling you first and not me. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> you know, I'm not a Justin Fields guy. Funny enough, I currently roster Justin Fields in our home league because I saw him on the wire and figured I might as well grab him in case Tim is right or in case even if he sucks as a passer, he runs a ton because he ran 10 times last week in what? A quarter of play? He did not look good as a passer. Let's be completely honest. Was he six for thirteen? I think an interception. Well, he came in the middle of a game where he had no first team reps in his first game ever. Like, give the guy a break. I'm just saying he did not look good. Let's be real. It was an ugly performance through the air. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes um, with Justin Fields. You're obviously higher on him than I am. Um, so time will tell. But definitely someone to at least stash i'm sure someone already has him stashed in your league already though if not maybe you could just add him to your bench because rushing is king in fantasy and even if he throws for 150 yards a touchdown and an interception it won't matter if he also runs for 70 yards and a touchdown um yeah exactly a, a guy that definitely goes did you see jalen hurts his line last yesterday jalen hurts threw for no yeah no touchdowns and like 150 yards in the air and he ended with 22 fantasy points. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about with Justin Fields. That kind of that kind of situation where even if he absolutely sucks through the air, who cares? Um, yeah. Speaking about absolutely sucks through the hair the air, Tua Tagovailoa. Oh no! Uh, but seriously, bruised ribs, day to day. Bruised ribs are hard for a quarterback to come back from. So you're gonna assume that Tua misses at least a game. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, my boy Nick DeVito always used to say Jacoby Brissett is the worst starter in the NFL. Um, and he showed that. I mean, I don't think that's up for debate. That dude is pure trash. Always yeah. has been. Yeah. So, I mean, he did. He played all right with the Colts for that he one. He was year. the worst version of Teddy Bridgewater. How people yeah. are just like, this guy, he could be good. Give him a chance. It's the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is just like a decent, mediocre QB at the very least. But then you have. Um, I think he's more Drew Locke than he is Teddy Bridgewater. It's just like. He has a He's big arm. He's big enough because he has a big arm, but he can't really do anything else. Jenny Bridgewater has been balling, not for nothing. Good fit yeah. for him. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater seems to be playing, fitting in well in that Detroit system. So let's see how that goes in uh, tougher matchups because he it hasn't been Jacksonville game. Certainly isn't a a hard matchup. Bad news for Will Fuller, who thank God we're hearing this news back in the facility on Monday. Brian Flores, there you go. Do you know what cut me off? The the blurb on uh, 
on a Roto World says Brian Flory. And they forgot the S. Brian Flore. Flores says that he's back. He should play. Um, but, you know, Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. So good news for Will Fuller, but we'll give you more of an update on what we think you should do with him uh, on the on the preview episodes on Thursday. Yeah, but at least he's back. That's, that's nice. I, I mean, you got to – there's some crazy – shit like to say that he might not play the whole season if that was the case something uh something bad must have been going on so it's nice to at least see him back ready to be in the building and ready to play bro this is a whole bunch of injury news that i'm that we're about to go through it's it's hardcore a significant amount of injuries in week two there was that's another reason why it was a low scoring there's a lot of players who you wanted to have big games who could have had big games who ended up not having big games because of injury. And those are, there's nothing you could do about that, unfortunately. Michael, tight end for the Jaguars. James O'Shawn Hennessy. He's out for three to four weeks. That sucks. Damn it, O'Shawn Hennessy. We're not going to be able to say O'Shawn Hennessy for the next three weeks. Um, Man. Well, we can <laughs> just by saying he's injured. O'Shawn Hennessy is injured. <laughs> LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Urban LaVisca. Meyer said LaVisca Chenault, uh, he injured his shoulder, but he's expected to play in a week three against the Cardinals. Michael, you, you tweeted Deep. something about LaVisca Chenault today. And I want to ask you about that because I, LaVisca was someone that I was fading hardcore. And then once I heard, uh, I mean, once the, the injury to Travis Etienne happened, I was like, okay, now I could see a path where LaVisca at least is a good bench piece, like a wide receiver four or five. But it's hard for me to roster LaVisca Chenault right now. Um, he's young and he has good talent, so I'm going to keep him on my roster. But I'm not happy about it, and I know you agree. Yeah, I wouldn't say I don't want to roster him. Like, I think he's at least decent enough to be rostered um, in 12-team leagues. Um, Eight-man leagues is different. Ten-man leagues depends who's on the wire because he will have some productive games. <clears throat> the thing is with LaVisca Chenault is... Everyone is pointing to his 17 targets through two games, right? Everyone's saying the usage is there. He's going to start. It's going to start working. But this is a low average average depth of target receiver on a bad team with a new head coach, a rookie quarterback, weapons around him that are arguably better in DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. Um, and his uh, tr- Trevor Lawrence's true throw value currently is 28th. Not great. And um, what's his face? The guy we're talking about, LaVisca Chenault, <laughs> his true target value is currently 81st, which means despite seeing 17 Oof. targets, his output is projected to be 81st among all position players. Despite seeing 17 targets, that is less than KJ Hamler is expected to have with only seven targets. That's how much of a difference QB targets are because Teddy Bridgewater has been very efficient to start the season. 15 less, uh, Darius Slayton is expected more with 15 targets, two less, and Daniel Jones, because Daniel Jones has been slightly better. So this is a guy who I just never understood it. I know you were one of the guys who Aaron Jones just scored. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Shout out to Jason. Jason just made an appearance. He just walked in. Let's go. Is that really Jason? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's taking a little break from his, uh, law school work. Later, dude. But um, <laughs> back to LaVisca. Yeah, that's why I was never really on Chenault the entire offseason. I didn't get it. I just didn't understand. Why do we want a low average depth of target gadget type guy on an offense that isn't going to be good? 
So that's it about LaVisca. And he, the targets, I just told you that they're not, um, when it comes to LaVisca, they're not able to be predicted into better games. Because when you have an 81st overall true target value, that is not good, period. And the average QB, rookie QB, over the last several seasons, we've um, we've mapped this out, is 31st overall. So Trevor Lawrence is playing slightly better than the average rookie QB. And LaVisca Snell has an 81st overall true, throw, true target value with 17 targets through two games. That is not good. And true target value, if you're unaware, it takes into account down, uh, I mean, distance, where the targets, the average depth of target, field location, um, the quarterback throwing the ball, several, 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 several indicators within our formula, um, and is based off the true target value of the quarterback, who's Trevor Lawrence, which is basically can be easily explained as adjusted fantasy points per attempt, which takes away um, rushing and things of that sort. So it's not looking good for LaVisca going forward, and he is. Not, I'd be looking to sell him. Redraft. Dynasty's different. You never know. Um, but redraft, I he's someone I'd be looking to, to sell ASAP. After a pretty good showing in the first week, it was not a good showing for rookie, the rookie quarterbacks in uh, – in week two, Zach Wilson, four interceptions. Just Bill Belichick outthought the rookie. That that clearly that was like a very rough game. Clearly going from BYU competition to Bill Belichick was a little bit too much for him right now. Um, he was outmatched. Like he was throwing the ball right to them. Like <laughs> they do exactly what he's gonna do. Mac Jones though against the Jets defense didn't also did not have a good game. Um, like you said, Justin Fields did, was not impressive in his showing. Trevor Lawrence for the second straight week like. A lot of people saw that he threw three touchdowns, but a couple of them were in garbage time. And then he did throw three interceptions in his first game and then didn't look great last week. And then Trey Lance didn't even get on the field. So not the best week for the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, besides the early touchdown by Lawrence, he had a very rough game. Yeah. To really be bad. entirely honest. So it has been a very rough opening couple of weeks for rookie quarterbacks. He's on a island right now, Trevor Lawrence. Like he's he's on a lot. He's on a. Uh, he's on. I mean, thrown in, thrown into the fire, just like Zach Wilson. Like they were unquestioned starters from the jump on very questionable teams. Listen, Michael. Michael just texted me. Yo, we should move on. Listen, there's news to be covered. <laughs> there's a lot of news, so we got to keep going because there's at least two more stories I want to talk about. Deontay All Johnson, right. last play of the game, gets a knee injury. We're like, what the fuck. But it looks like he avoided major injury. With that being said, this is one of the reasons why I told you Deontay Johnson at ADP was a little bit too rich for my blood in a lot of drafts. Like, I have some Deontay Johnson, so I'm not mad at you if you drafted him. But, like, his ADP was not taking into consideration his injury risk. And here it is again. If he does miss time, obviously I think the biggest winner is Juju because Juju will have an opportunity uh, to catch those short passes. The second biggest winner is probably Najee Harris, who was targeted five times in the last game. He'll probably get those small targets. And then Chase Claypool probably can... I mean, if, as a Chase Claypool rosterer, like, he's had two bad games, but he's also been targeted 16 times in the last two games. I don't have the number in front of me, but I believe it's 16 times in the last two games. 
for a big play threat like Claypool, I'm taking that all day, every day. So I'm happy about that. If I'm if I have Chase Claypool, that's actually someone that I would be buying low on. With that being said, I disagree. What's your What's your outlook? I mean, look, I've been I faded Chase Claypool the entire offseason. even without Deontay though. Like when Deontay's out, you still are fading him. Well, without Deontay, that obviously changes that's things. That's what a bit, That's what we're but, talking about. But you also don't know it. I highly doubt you're gonna get any offers that are worth it. You'd probably rather just ride him while Deontay is out. But anywho, I, I, I said last week I want to start a petition to stop ranking Claypool ahead of Juju, and Juju outscored Claypool yet again. That's what happens when you're on the field way more and you see more targets and you're more involved. He had the, a rushing touchdown. So, I mean, that offense has looked abysmal through the first two weeks, to be completely honest. Uh, they're trying to get Najee Harris involved a lot, but he's not getting much done, and it's not entirely his fault. Um, when they're able to just stack the box against Big Ben, who can't throw downfield anymore. And Big Ben, after, questioned the offensive play calling Uh-oh. as well. This so is this be, fucking always this shit with Big Ben. Always. Big Ben basically, was, Big ben basically wants to run more um, no huddles where he gets to control the offense a little bit more. Um, he was kind of complaining about the plays being called and good players being on the sidelines for those plays, which, I mean, I feel him. Maybe he wants Claypool on the field more. Um, but either way, uh, Juju and Claypool would certainly get a bump if Deontay Johnson has to miss significant time because the three-headed monster becomes a two-headed monster, which almost always benefits the two-headed monster because two mouths are easier to feed than three. 14 targets is how many targets Claypool has. He's on pace for 119 targets on the year, even with Deontay Low. Johnson. Low-value targets thus far as Big Ben has I, been very inefficient. Yes, it's because of Big Ben, but the the yeah. targets themselves are not low-value. It's the quarterback throwing the targets. Like, the reason why they're low-value is... in turn makes them sure, low-value. Sure, sure, yeah. but he's... They're actually high-value targets in terms of, like, if they connect, this dude's going to be putting up major points. Just in the sense of number of targets, 14 is a good number through two weeks, yeah. Um, Jarvis Landry, uh, considered week-to-week... Poor Jarvis. <sighs> Poor Jarvis. He was someone I was super high on this week. So, of course, he has to go and get injured on, what, the first drive of the game, was it? And just put up. Did he even have a reception or a, it's just a straight-up donut for his managers in a cakewalk-type matchup against Houston is just is just brutal. So, that was a – a lot of teams probably got really hurt by that Jarvis Landry injury. And hopefully Landry's not out long either, but – Damn. Maybe another, this rushes maybe this rushes OBJ back next week. Another one of the good guys. If it if it does rush OBJ back, I'll tell you what, it's gonna at least um it's gonna at least make him more relevant. Cause I don't know how much relevancy that OBJ has. Carson Wentz somehow sprained both of his ankles. Yeah. Maybe Rough. it's because he was running away from pressure all day. Carson Wentz, you know, it was there was a a debate like was it Philly's offensive line that got Carson Wentz uh, sacked at a record pace? Before he got benched, Carson Wentz was on pace to break the record for getting sacked in a season. Just want just want to reiterate that. Last season, before he got benched for Jalen Hurts. It's like Philly's O-line looks pretty good now. And now he goes to the Colts, who have no doubt a good O-line. They've had a good O-line for years. They have one of the best players maybe in the history of guards at guard in Quentin Nelson. And... He's getting pressured everywhere. At some point, you got to say it's, it's Wentz. 
and he's he's like ducking all these defenders and all this shit. Like, I mean, he's throw always the fucking ball, man. He's always held the ball. He's always held the ball a ton too. Sacks are uh, are a QB stat as well. It's not always just an offensive line stat because you also need to help out your offensive line if you know they're getting beat with quick passes and such, and you can't just hold the ball for seven seconds and expect them to guard you for seven damn seconds. So, but yo, speaking the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, yo, to just get stuffed over and over and over at the goal line. It's crazy. Holy moly. It's he crazy. leads the league in inside the 10. He has like 12 rushes inside the 10 right now, and he still doesn't have a touchdown. Aye, aye, aye. Six touches inside the five-yard line. Yeah. I have Jonathan Taylor on one team. That's our home league because I was yeah. um, fading him at cost all offseason, and then he fell to me in the second round, and I decided to finally take a shot on him, and he's pissing me off. I got him in now I see why. Now I see why I haven't been... Drafting him, <laughs> got him in Scott Fish. But he does. He has been getting a ridiculous amount of work, though, which 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 bodes well for at least uh, volume reasons. Do you have Derek? Are you are you talking about Derek Henry at all? In your stock up, I'm not talking about Derek Henry in my stock up. But uh, yeah, Derek Henry had quite a day. I just want to talk about Derek Henry because you may look at this Derek Henry game and be like, oh yeah, Derek Henry does this all the time. Michael, Derek Henry has nine catches on ten he caught targets. The ball. He caught the ball, dude. This is two weeks in a row, though. This is not an aberration. This is two weeks in a row where he caught the ball. And he's not. it's not like he's running wide receiver routes, but he's getting checkdowns. And that's coaching. That's playbook stuff. And it's a new coaching staff. Some the Titans had a, a pretty nice offensive showing, which, um, you know, after week one, there were so many victory laps about how the Titans suck now or whatever. Something to keep an eye on, by the way, is, yo, Derrick Henry is the best player in fantasy if he's catching nine targets every two games. Eh, Christian McCaffrey's still there. But. Fine. Second best player in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. This is that, that, that's going to be a scary proposition. All right, we're finally done with the news, Michael. Are you happy? I was just trying to, you know, speed it up for the people. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our first segment. We saw that coming from a mile away. I saw that coming from a mile away. I, you know, I, I got to hit this right. It's, it's, I, I, got, I got a little like a little static in the beginning. Sorry about that if that shot, shook your ears. Um, Michael, why don't you go first? Who's your uh, saw that coming? Yeah, sure. Uh, my first who saw that coming is someone that we, I think Jason and I both said he was a really good wide receiver three play this week and has been a lot more consistent than people realize. And that's um, Hollywood Brown. Uh, Hollywood Brown had a very nice week. Um, against the Chiefs last night in a, what was an offensive blowout. And that was the appeal for Hollywood Brown, right? Against the Kansas City Chiefs, you just need a play or two. And he had that one play. That was a 45-yard, just untouched, completely wide-open touchdown, which led him to a six-catch, 113-yard, and one-touchdown performance. Now a 16.5 and 21.5 points through the first two weeks. And this guy has 10-plus straight double-digit PPR performances. He's someone I wish I was more on during the offseason. I was not really going after Hollywood Brown, but that was with that was before injuries happened. That was before J.K. Dobbins. That was before um, Gus Edwards. That was before Rashad Bateman. Marquise Brown was just forced back into being a focal point, maybe more so than last year of the offense, and he has taken advantage of it and... He had a very good game against Kansas City, and as long as this offense, like he's his, he's been the alpha, not Mark Andrews. So as long as that 
continues to happen, he's basically going to be in must start territory. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue. Like you can't sit him at this point. No way. Yeah. Um. I'm I I traded Deontay Johnson for DJ Chark and Hollywood Brown in one of my leagues, and I I traded him to Boyd in our in the Brodo Dynasty League, and I have been like regretting it all summer. But if Hollywood Brown continues to play like this, I might have I might have made myself a good little deal there. For me, who saw that coming? Thomas Bradeth. The greatest. Thomas Bradeth. Thomas Bradeth, the greatest. The goat. Uh, he's so damn good. He's so fucking good. It's crazy. It's and absolutely I'm, absurd. I love that I could appreciate it now. Because I always used to say, because I'm a Jets fan, I always used to say, when I when I talk to my grandkids about Tom Brady, it's going to be like, I fucking hate that guy, but damn do I respect him. Like, like, uh, uh, like Anchorman style. Like West Mantooth yeah. style. West Mantooth. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I would say. So right now it's so fun being able to root for him. Because you get to really like appreciate his greatness without getting so much pain from it. Um, <laughs> as a Jets fan, five touchdowns, two hundred and seventy-six yards through the air. But not only Tom Brady, because the reason I called this this Tom Brady game and I had him ranked as my QB three. I think he finished the week as QB three. Um, Bronx smash in the rankings. No, Mike Evans. Mike Evans, despite uh, Mike the Evans, fact, yeah, yeah this, I for some reason I'm just like I feel like Tom Brady's gonna go to Mike Evans. I feel like. He didn't go to him last game. He's going to make a concerted effort to go there this game against the Falcons. And five for or for 75 and two touchdowns, he made a concerted effort to go to Mike Evans. You know, this is going to be an offense where it's going to be a little unpredictable. Antonio Brown after – Michael, you were there after the week one uh, tilt. You were there with the FFPC drafts, and you, and you saw with your own eyes Antonio Brown going in the fourth round in some of these drafts. Yeah, I always – I think people always overreact to the Thursday games. The after drafting, it's pretty fun to watch. Um, I mean, Gronk has paid off thus far, but man, I I've been the fading AB guy of the group, and this week, in an absolute offensive explosion, he was the odd man out, and uh, it it was not a great week for starting Antonio Brown. Mike Evans, like you said, great game, and he was back into his goal line running back role with his one-yard touchdown. Not actually goal line running back, guys. That's just we make that as a joke because Tom Brady loves to just throw him a ball on a quick fade from one yard out, and it works 99 for 60% of the time, all the time. <laughs> um, Leonard Jones, I mean Leonard Jones. We should call him Leonard Jones. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in this game as well. Um, more confusion. And I think when do we start saying, okay, Leonard Fournette's the starter in this backfield? Because now it's been the playoffs, playoff Lenny. Leonard Fournette is the starter in this backfield. Yep. It's 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 time to it's time to admit it. All right, Rojo Michael. played Rojo played mostly um passing snaps too, which is not good for him because he sucks as a pass catcher. Um Rojo is just that experience is not going well. No, it's not. Um Michael, who is your second? We saw that coming. My second, we saw that coming, Tim. This is the one that I did for fun, just to bust your chops a little bit. And that's Austin Eckler and his nine receptions. I'll take all right, I'll, You know what? I, I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I was nervous. I'm I not, tried telling I'm you that he was going to be fine, and that he was. He just had an 18-point half PPR performance without scoring a touchdown. Classic Austin Eckler-type game where even if he doesn't score a touchdown, he still is very useful. Nine rush attempts. Nine targets, nine receptions on those targets. Right back into being a big part of the passing offense. And now they get KC next week. 
big shot for him to be a big time asset once more. But yeah, Austin Eckler did his thing again. And, you know, he's he's Austin Eckler. That's that's how he rolls. Michael, it wouldn't be a review episode. And I just want to put out there. Great to see Austin Eckler get get nine catches. Like what a fantastic, phenomenal thing. Um, But let's keep it on the same team because I got to throw something in your face right back at you. Last week, Mike Williams' stock was rising. This week, we knew that was coming. Mike Williams, seven receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown, was a couple penalties away from going nine receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Like, he got big plays taken away twice by big penalties. The whole Chargers team was getting penalized like crazy the whole game. Um so he is hyper targeted in this offense. Keenan Allen only gets four targets, but he puts up 108 yards, so you're not complaining about that. But, you know, for all the Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton and uh all that talk during the offseason, scratch that. This is the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler with a little Jared Cook sprinkled in show. Um, and I'm here for it. And I think Mike Williams is going to be a top 24 wide receiver easily rest of the season. Yeah, his um, his role is looking different in that Chargers offense in the early onset of this season. And it, it's in a definitely a big, huge way towards making him a much more reliable fantasy asset. And if you were a Mike Williams stan, as the kids say, it's certainly the start that you wanted um, for Mike Williams and definitely looking up um so definitely a good definitely a good start for him um michael uh who's who 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 might have mentioned to you or told you that this could happen with mike williams who could i, mean, have I told that? you like 97 times i told you tim that i wasn't off mike williams at adp this year I oh have yeah you're right that's jason you're mike right mike williams right. on several teams i'm i'm just you're right. You're right. You're right. Me and Mike. You're right. You're right. Jason's, Jason. Jason's the one who you're right, just, you're right. just just hates <laughs> these guys who could possibly be fifty or breakouts. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to our the stuff that we didn't see coming. The stuff that's uh, surprised the shit out of us. Surprise, motherfucker! I don't know why I said surprise like that. Um, yeah, Michael, who's your first surprise? Surprise. My first surprise. Surprise is surprising. Get get it. Ooh. Um. Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard showed out this week um, on 13 rush attempts, 109 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, three targets, three receptions, 31 yards, played 30 or 30-ish percent of the snaps. 29%. um, 29% of the snaps this week, um, which was up from week one. And the way he's playing, maybe he turns this into a 65-35 weekly split because – it seems every time this guy is involved in the offense, he's making splash plays. Um, so he could end up entering flex territory. Even last week against Tampa, he only had seven touches, and he averaged almost one fantasy point per touch. And then this week against the Chargers, 22.5 fantasy points. So it's going to be interesting to see if Tony Pollard's role changes. But it's a bit the the Cowboys have always just wanted to force-feed Zeke, it seems. So it was surprising to see, although the snap counts weren't, super crazy it was surprising to see tony pollard get that much work when he was on the field ezekiel elliott had a very good game ezekiel elliott i I know that michael doesn't think he looked great in the game i think he looked very good in the game uh he played very well the one so i'm not worried per se 
about Ezekiel Elliott. I'm disappointed because he didn't get catches, and Tony Pollard obviously saw 13 carries. I'm. This is this is this is like you know how they do it on Twitter. This is a Zeke tweet. This is not a Zeke tweet. I think that, like you said, Tony Pollard has a real chance to become a fantasy viable player. And I know that I have Zeke in two leagues, and in both of those leagues, I drafted Tony Pollard as my handcuff because I look. I know a lot of fantasy experts will say ha- rostering handcuffs is not a good idea. I am not in that camp, especially in the first six weeks when there's no buys. I think if you lose a star running back, you have to have his backup. In particularly, if his backup is a guy like Alexander Madison or a guy like Tony Pollard, a guy that you know is going to come in and be able to at least replicate uh, you know, 75% of what you're getting out of the superstar that originally had that that um that role and I think Tony Pollard could be more than that I think Tony Pollard could stand on his own and there might come a time where I'm gonna start Zeke as my running back and Tony Pollard as my flex I know I would have been happy doing that this week um I could see that happening two guys that I'm definitely not starting at running back and flex but both ended up having a pretty good game Zach Moss and Devin Singletary where the yeah, Zach Moss back from the dead and Singletary with a nice long touchdown rush. I gotta say, because this game was a blowout. This game was thirty-five nothing. Uh, so it's easy to say, oh yeah, the running backs, you know, they must have got just like garbage time. And Zach Moss was more garbage time, although it was on the goal line. So you like to see a guy bounce back from getting a health, getting healthy scratched to getting two goal line carries and taking advantage of them. But Devin Singletary was the first play of the game. Uh, he didn't really do much besides that. He did he did score a touchdown on that. But all of a sudden, you got a rushing game from the Bills, and they end up winning 35-0. Did not see that coming from either of these guys. Uh, Zach Moss's respect factor went up uh, a little bit. I'm not looking too much into this. That's why these guys are not in my stock up. It's just a surprising thing. Like, hey, these guys did great, and I wasn't expecting it. Um, Michael. What about your second? Saw that coming. My second Sorry, saw that. second, second uh, surprise, 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 surprise. Yeah, my second surprise, surprise is a man who is not done just yet, folks. After a week one, which saw him get added to several waiver wires, I'm sure some people are upset that they were doing that, and that's Mr. J.D. McKissick. He still has a role in that Washington offense, folks. Uh, four rushes, 10 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. He stole a goal line touchdown from Antonio Gibson, which is not great. Six targets, five receptions, 83 yards. And all these haters are saying, I can't believe they're not letting Antonio Gibson do all this. He was a wide receiver in college. Yes, he was a wide receiver in college, but did anyone ever think maybe he just wasn't that good of a receiver in college? You know, it doesn't always translate to the NFL. It's a stupid um, thing. A maybe stupid J.D. Thing McKissick. Maybe Jaden McKissick is just a better receiver than Antonio Gibson is. You're stupid. It was very hard to watch that game and not think, damn, J.D. McKissick is killing it in his role. Um, that chair for like a 50-yard gain was a was a beautiful route. Good route. And, that was a good route. Yeah. And J.D. McKissick has, last season too, he was just an effective pass catcher. So not what Antonio Gibson managers want to hear. And it seemed like he was toast after week one with Antonio Gibson stealing a lot of the pass catching work, but... Here he is back once more, and this means in negative game script games, he certainly will have some flex viability, and he uh, surprised in week two. As the resident Antonio Gibson truther on the podcast, I will say this. Not excited 
not excited because I could live with J.D. McKissick getting some passing down work. I could live with J.D. McKissick being the third down back even. What I can't live with is J.D. McKissick getting the two-minute drill work. That's And the goal line touchdown. Well, the goal line touchdown was, I think Antonio Gibson was on the field when he got it. Oh, no, no, because it was in the two-minute, uh, excuse me, he, it was in the two-minute drill. But there like, were multiple timeouts. They could have swapped them in and out. They were on the goal line. Exactly. Exactly why I'm not happy, because it seems as though Antonio Gibson's not even in the conversation. Yeah. Right? He's, he's not even, like, he probably, I, I don't, it did he even practice with the two-minute drill offense, or was it just J.D. McKissick? That's what's making me nervous. Because if he's not part of that drill at all, and he's not the third down back, then you got yourself like a you know a glorified Josh Jacobs, and I'm not, I don't want that on my team, and I drafted him to be my RB two, so I'm I'm, ugh, I'm I'm nervous about that. I'm tilting a little. Yeah, bit. I had seesaw feelings about Antonio Gibson this offseason. I was super high on him early on, and I just slowly but surely started fading him more and more at his ADP for. For reasons of being on Washington and J.D. McKissick still being around, I thought it was a, a little too risky for my taste for that second round ADP. So I don't think I have him on any of my redraft season long leagues actually. But yeah, I'm with you; it definitely is, is is not great. He's getting a lot of work. He's going to have some big games, of course, because he's very talented and he's going. That's just going to happen. But not exactly what you want to be seeing. I mentioned on the preview pod this Thursday. That one of the people that I am trying to roster and stash just uh, just in case was Mr. Cordero Patterson. And he's my second. I did not see that coming because although I wanted you to roster him and stash him, I could tell you with no shadow of a doubt that I did not expect Cordero Patterson to go 7 for 11 on the ground and one touchdown and 5 for 58 in the air and a touchdown. But... It's becoming clear that Cordero Patterson is liked by this coaching staff. It's becoming clear that Mike Davis is... Just a guy. and Shocking. Yeah, and that Cordero Patterson is going to have a role in this offense. He's been highly involved in the first two games. He's put up fantasy viable numbers in the first two games. Now, this game it was a game where the Falcons were playing catch-up. But I have some news for you guys. The greatest story ever told, the greatest myth in the history of football that we've all accepted, is that the Falcons are a quote-unquote good offense. All I've heard all summer was how Kyle Pitts is joining a good offense with a good quarterback. It's a lie. They haven't been good. I went over this in an article. They've only been a top 10 scoring defense twice. Offense. Offense. One, they've only been a top 10 scoring offense twice since 2015. Let's not even say 2015 because that was the Shanahan year. Since 2015, just once, and it was number 10. Like, they have not been good in years. And even before that, they weren't a top 10 defense since 2011, before 2015. So we have that one spike year where, where Matt Ryan wins the MVP and people think he's good off of that because because Shanahan made a decent player, a very good player for one season. And now this is what Atlanta's looking at. Atlanta's looking at the number one pick. I've been saying this from, yeah, from the beginning. I've been saying this from the beginning. That defense is horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And Matt Ryan sucks. Like, Matt Ryan's always been overrated, but now he sucks. Have you ever seen an um, an emptier 300 yards than what Matt Ryan had against the Buccaneers? <laughs> Seriously, have you ever seen one? I'm sure there have been. I can't, I, can't, I can't think of one because I watched the game and I'm like, yo, Matt Ryan's playing horrible. He must have like 120 yards passing. And then I look at his fucking thing and he has 300 yards. 
talk about garbage time. But this is what's this is what it's gonna be. So and Mike Williams obviously is not the pass catching back. Cordero Patterson is. So yeah, I mean Mike Davis is always was always a bad bet at ADP. This is why you don't bet. This is why you don't draft just entirely on perceived volume. Facts. Facts. For a twenty eight year old journeyman running back who has never done it. And him, Miles Gaskin, was in that conversation as well. Another guy who busted. Well, Miles Gaskin is is young. And so what? was pretty good last season. Like, what do you mean? So what? We're talking about it's different than, um, oh, beautiful throw and catch between Goff and Hawkinson. Ooh, oh boy! And I'll take a win in my fantasy matchup with that catch. Let's that get was, it. That was good. That was a nice wheel route, yo. I'm telling you, T.J. Hawkinson. This guy's the real deal, bro. This guy's the real deal. Um, what were we talking about? All right, Cardell Patterson. <laughs> All right, so Michael, let's get into our stock rising segment. Guys whose stock after week two is going up. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analyst indicator could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. The worst day on Wall Street since the... Uh, sorry about that, guys. My computer's a little slow today. I, I'm messing up these drops, Michael. What the aye, hell? Aye, aye. I let I let the I let the the stock down bleed into the stock up. It's terrible. Also, I'm not gonna lie. My wife texted me, and uh, around about my son. So that took my attention. Uh, apparently, he's struggling little to. Baby. Apparently, he's struggling to go to sleep right now. Um, which is a theme. Damn it, little baby Dennis. <laughs> which is a little theme with baby Dennis. Sleep, baby. <laughs> Sleep, baby. Uh, Michael, who's your first guy who's definitely not asleep? Your first stock up. Uh, hold your nose, Tim, because I feel stinky even saying this right now. But <laughs> it's Daniel Jones. Ugh, nah. Daniel Jones. No. Back-to-back no. -back weeks with no. the rushing touchdown. No. Played no. against no. Denver and Washington. I who refuse. are supposed to be two of... Two of what? The top 10 defenses in the league? Nope. Has put up 21.5 fantasy points. Nope. 29.5 fantasy points. I'm not listening. Gets Atlanta this coming week. Gets Dallas twice still. Philly nope. twice. <laughs> nope. Not listening. When do we have the talk that maybe Daniel Jones, even if he's not a great real-life quarterback, la, will la, be able la, to do la. enough to be a good fantasy quarterback? Because... 60, oh, excuse me, 50 combined points between Denver and Washington is certainly impressive. And he's using his legs. I mean, he has 11 rush attempts through the last, excuse me, 15 rush attempts through the first two games and has turned that into 130 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. And as we know, rushing is huge in fantasy and he has weapons, right? He's really connecting with Storm Shepard. Kenny Galladay is getting downfield targets. They haven't really been connecting yet. We'll see if that happens. They were yelling at but, each other on the sideline. At the end of the game, yeah. with two minutes left. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes teammates do that, man. We know we we played competitive sports, and it always um, hurt us when we did that. Eh, not no, always. not always. after the game. After the game, you talk it out and you're good. No, I'm not talking Should about happen. hurt our relationship. I'm talking about hurt us in the game. No, I mean I'm saying, but then it does it doesn't affect you going into later games, is what I'm saying. It doesn't affect me going into Gator games. Affect you going into later games, into Hater games. Oh, you're annoying. <laughs> But anywho, yeah, Daniel Jones is someone that maybe you want to throw a couple dollars of 
fat bidding on. Sneak peek no. into the Patreon episode. Blah. If he if he has another huge game uh, against Atlanta. Oh man! Uh, well, all right, against Atlanta maybe. But this yeah. is the type of game that Daniel Jones has always just sucked in. The game where you expect him to be good. It's always been his sucking. It's true. Game. I'm not saying he's he's a good quarterback now. I'm just saying he might be a good fantasy quarterback now. But time will tell. I mean. Either way, his stock is up from someone who you'd never wanted to consider starting to maybe the people. Remember how much hype he had last year? People were projecting him to be a top 10 quarterback and he was a breakout candidate for fantasy and shit. Maybe he's uh, at least reaching that sort of level where he could at least be a streaming option. Um, I'm going to edit that out of the final cut. I just want to let you know in advance. Like, we're not we're not doing this. Um, I'm doing what? <laughs> Cooper Cup. Oh, all of Daniel Jones. All of Daniel Jones. All of Daniel Jones. I'm just cutting it all out. It never happened. All right, fair enough. We'll just say that I forgot to um, forgot to give a third. You forgot. (laughs) We're already at 56 minutes in this episode. This episode's gonna take a long time. I know. That's why I was telling you to speed up the news. (laughs) Cooper Cup is my first stock rising. Look, I was one of the guys who I think we have a bet of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I was all about Cooper Cup I don't this think year. We have that. Yeah, I was but. all about Cooper Cup. I was all about Matt Stafford loves making his slot guys into superstars. I still believe that that's the case, and it is shining right now. Last game, Cooper Cup received nine receptions for 163 yards and two touchdowns. The most important part, I think, of Cooper Cup is people underestimate how actually good he is. And when you start to think that this guy is is he's a big man, six four, he's tall, he's athletic. He can get open. He has great hands. You start putting this together, and then you have a quarterback now like Matt Matt Stafford, who makes not only makes his historically um, makes his slot receivers, excuse me, better, but also a guy who they eat breakfast together every morning. And yes, that's just narrative, but it's a narrative that matters when you're talking about a quarterback running back relationship. So. I mean, Cooper Cup's stock, at this point, you got to look at him as a top five receiver rest of the season right now, in my opinion. What what a start Cooper Cup has had. I uh, am the leading scorer and going to be 2-0 and in our home league despite down early season efforts by Jonathan Taylor, um, George Kittle, Jerry Judy on IR because I drafted Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett in weeks four and five, and they are the number one and two receivers on the year currently and they're both going absolutely in right now and cooper cup does certainly look like he could uh be a superstar this year if if this continues which i don't see why i wouldn't man it's a sean mcveigh offense with matt stafford it's it's a lethal combination and cup and woods give him lethal weapons as well even though woods has been not nearly as effective as most would want him to be at this point and that's because cup has just been stealing all the work tyler lockett might be my sell high this week just putting that out. I mean, I could see that, but I mean, I, the reason I was the only Brodo bro kind of on Tyler Lockett is because no more Brian Schottenheimer, man. Yeah. Take away take away the ups and downs of Tyler Lockett, and you have a terrific fantasy player. And so far, the downs haven't hit, but it's only two weeks in, so we'll see. Time will tell. Let's move on to our second one. Michael, who's your second stock rising? <clears throat> yep. My second stock rising, Tim, is the one and only KJ Osborne. Oh, baby. 
this is going to sound weird because it's like, oh, KJ Osborne. But yes, KJ Osborne, <laughs> folks, because he just had another big game. The, the second year player who didn't catch a pass as a rookie. Six targets, five receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown. 91 yards led the Vikings in receiving yards. Jefferson scored, Thielen scored, KJ Osborne scored. It was a nice day for pass catchers, but we are looking at a team that last season, 31st in the league in three wide sets. Now they're top five in the league in three wide sets through the first two weeks, people which is to, very interesting. People rem- need to remember this. I, I wrote the, I wrote about this in my in my uh, Justin Jefferson article that I released during the summer. New offensive coordinator. And this is an offensive coordinator that has learned under Kevin Stefanski and Cliff Kingsbury. So you're talking about a rush first offense, and then you're also talking about the air raid offense. And his father is Gary Kubiak, a, a rushing aficionado. I think there's something he, he said with his own mind, like uh, his own mouth, like I'm looking to evolve the offense because if you don't evolve, you die. I think there's something to be said about this. I, I, I like KJ Osborne might be here to stay. He KJ Osborne might be what you thought Edo Smith was. I mean, not Edo Smith. Smith. Um, uh, what the, BC the, Johnson? The, the, no, the tight end. Irv Smith? Irv Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you thought Irv yeah. Smith was. Look, I'm not saying KJ Osborne is going to be a weekly reliable starter, but if he continues to play this much with a quarterback who's as efficient as Kirk Cousins is, maybe he shouldn't be on waiver wires is all I'm saying. But from a complete afterthought that was drafted probably zero times among even the deepest leagues to this Entering week three is quite a rise. So, KJ Osborne, folks. I've got another one for you, and this one is uh, much more interesting. I I, I don't want to say much more interesting, but one of the more interesting players that I can remember. Rondell Moore of the Arizona Cardinals is someone yep. who I searched. I, I mentioned him in the, in the Thursday show briefly. I mentioned maybe stashing him. I went. In a, in a few of my leagues, and I saw where he was available, and I stashed him. And boy, oh boy, am I glad I did that. Last week, he showed out. And it was the increase in playing time. It was the increase in opportunity. It was the increase in production. He had all of them. He did hit the one big play. Yes, he did. But more importantly, nine targets, seven receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Yes, he hit on the one big 77-yard play that Kyler Murray made something out of nothing as a broken play. And so the detractors of Ronda Moore would say you're counting on something like that. First of all, if you're going to count on a play like that, then there's no better quarterback in the league to count on that with than Kyler Murray. He seems like he does that once a game for his entire career. Second, nine targets is no joke. And his usage from week one to week two went up significantly. So you're talking about a rookie who impressed week one, earned his way onto the field in week two, and then once he was on the field in week two, saw nine targets. In an offense where the people he has to beat out is A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. Sign me up. Rondell Moore is someone that I want to roster. Um... This reminds me a lot of what Justin Jefferson, what people were saying about Justin Jefferson this time last year. And I'm not comparing Rondell Moore to Justin Jefferson in like size and profile, but I am yeah, comparing him. Not. I'm comparing it in, in the fact that 
The same people were that were saying, oh, well, Justin Jefferson is only looking good because he made that big play uh, um, in, that, in, in week three. He made that big play. You know the, the play that everyone sees, the one where he does like his little dance, he skips into the end zone? Yeah, he did make that big play. And then he continued to make big plays throughout the season because he's like that. Rondell Moore is one of the more talented individuals in the league. He earned, he earned that playing time. He continues to earn the playing time. And he's, in, and he's with a guy in Cliff Kingsbury who he's a young dude. He's innovative. He's not going to let a playmaker like that just sit on the bench and not be used. So I think that Rondell Moore is someone that, again, you're, you're going to hear more about this in your in the waiver wire show tomorrow. I think he's someone you should be targeting in your leagues. Um, if, in the leagues where I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to stash him, I'll be targeting him on the waiver wire. Uh, I think Rondell Moore, I, I think that uh, this, the future is bright for him and, and, and the immediate future, not just the, the future that's far away. Yeah, Um Hard to disagree with you about Rondell Moore after that showing last week because, like you said, the snaps and the usage go up, and that's what you're most interested in, and that offense looks ridiculously dynamic and effective at the moment. So he's someone that I'm scared I'm going to miss out on because he's not someone I was drafting much of because I wasn't expecting him to have a huge role, and I thought he'd be used as more of a gadget-type guy in a pretty stacked offense, but so far it hasn't been that way. So far he's been used as a legitimate weapon and if he continues to outplay it's not hard to outplay AJ Green and Christian Kirk like he could absolutely earn those targets and earn the playing time over them so Rondell Moore is certainly someone I agree with you his stock is way rising at the moment to to give you an idea just to give you the exact numbers because we were both talking about the up uptick in usage and the uptick in targets last week he had I mean in week one he had uh, a snap percentage of 29 percent he played on 20 snaps Five targets in those 20 snaps. That's a 15.6% uh, target percentage amongst the teams. Last week, he played 28 snaps. Now, that's only eight more snaps, but there was less snaps in the game. So 46% snap percentage, eight targets. That's 22% target share on the team. That led the team last week. So that's something that pops out. That really pops out, and it reminds me of how Jamison Crowder was used by the Redskins in his rookie season where he he spent his first two weeks kind of just taking everyone by surprise, this young rookie, and then he ended up having a great rookie season that made him art, like wide receiver three viable all year. Rondell Moore is someone that I think is, and I just think he's someone that you have to have, and he's not going to cost you too much unless there's like unless you're in a league with, a bunch of Arizona fans. I just don't think that he's going to cost you too much. He's someone that I'm actively targeting on the waiver wire, but you'll hear more about that on the Patreon episode tomorrow. Um, Michael, who's number three for you? My last um, stock rising here is someone who, this is more towards the quarterback who has been extremely hot this season, but as a result, this player is looking a little more enticing, and that's Henry Ruggs the third, The speed demon First-round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders. Five catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown against Pitt um, after going two for 46 against Baltimore, which is not good. But he's now seen 12 targets through two games, and Derek Carr has looked great. He really, I, I mean, really I don't has. know what else to say. 
He really has. Like we all, we've always called Derek Carr the purgatory quarterback, um, because he's the guy who isn't bad, but he's also the guy who can't lead you to a championship. But man, Derek Carr is doing his best to make us, um, just punch ourselves in the face wow, to start this season that's, because that's, uh, hardcore. I mean, they're finally letting him. He's always not thrown downfield. And he's always been effective throwing downfield. And we thought maybe just because he's way too conservative of a quarterback. I don't know if all he's play calling or now he's finally just unleashing it. But now he's throwing downfield way more. And he's continuing to be very effective throwing downfield. And he's the main reason why the Raiders are 2-0 and starting against the Raiders and, uh, excuse me, the Ravens and Steelers. That's impressive work. And, I mean, Derek Carr is just playing really, really good football right now. And Henry Ruggs is the main target on that offense outside of Darren Waller. Um, main outside target since if since Waller, I guess. You know, he lines up outside too, but you know what I mean. Henry Ruggs is involved a lot, and he's they're using his speed in a multitude of ways now, and he has back-to-back games with um, long catches. So Henry Ruggs is someone that could end up being wide receiver three, flex viable pretty often moving forward if Derek Carr continues to play at this level and the offense keeps rolling. These are all facts, all stated by Michael. Um, my last stock rising is someone whose stock is really, really rising, and that's Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton put together a nine-catch, 159-yard performance whoop-dee-woo uh, against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. He led the team in targets by a lot, led the team in receptions by a lot. Uh, no fan also put forward 33 and a touchdown, but, oh, man, I wish Albert O didn't get so much work in this offense because it takes away from Noah Fant. Um, but with that being said, there is a clear alpha with the Broncos, and that alpha is Cortland Sutton. And if you took a chance on Cortland Sutton, then, you know, Michael mentioned in the one injury away segment that either Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, if the other guy goes down, be prepared. The other guy's going to become a superstar. And so far, one week with Judy down, and Michael is uh, correct because – Corlin Sutton put up a superstar game. Corlin Sutton is actually one of my most rostered best ball players because every time it got to his spot, like that sixth, seventh round, and I looked at all the other weapons around him, I was like, how could you not take Corlin Sutton here with the upside? And ooh-wee, did the second game of the season really make me excited about all that. And I have him in several just regular season-long redraft leagues too. It was Quite an impressive performance, so I agree with you. All right. Um, Now I'm going to try and get this correct. We're going to end on the sour note like we always do. Oh, Uh, yeah. End on a – what what would you call those? uh, uh, Warheads. End on a warhead. Stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. Uh, this is, that's crazy. That drop means even more because I don't know if you guys are involved in the stock market, but the stock market as a whole dropped like 1.6% today. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's crazy a lot. Yeah, I did not check because I'd rather not. You're, you're good. Uh, let's just put it this way: <laughs> um, my losses were uh, were in the four four digits column, um, not what you want to see. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll bounce back either way. But yeah, I mean, hopefully. Uh, with that being said, though, 
Stock down, Michael. Who's your first stock down? My first stock down is um, someone who I thought was going to have a huge game last week. Started off with a very nice 11-yard touchdown just to kick off the game and then only added on one more catch the entire game, and that is Mr. Allen Robinson. Now six and a half points and 9.4 points through two weeks. And everyone keeps saying, they just need Justin Fields to take over. Allen Robinson will be unleashed. What if Justin Fields <laughs> isn't that good of an NFL passer yet? And then you have to mix Allen Robinson with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. The, the, where is the Allen Robinson consistency coming from? He's always been a guy who's been up and down, and the Chicago Bears offense has looked worse than normal passing-wise through the first two weeks. And obviously that has not been great for Allen Robinson. He's still going to have his big weeks um, because that's who he is. He's he's a playmaker. But through the first two weeks, you expect more out of Robinson if you drafted him as your wide receiver one or in the third round. And I think he may be more of a wide receiver two um, going forward unless Chicago could figure out a way to actually get something going in their damn passing attack. Michael, shut your mouth. Shut your damn mouth right now. Um, let's go to you. Go from my my wide receiver one in our home league to our in our main league to my wide receiver two in our main league, or so I thought. Stock down for Brandon Ayuk. I mean, this was his Hot opportunity. Damn to to bounce back. And Kyle Shanahan was saying all the right things. Um. He was saying, oh, yeah, you know, Ayuk's going to play, and Ayuk's going to do this, and Ayuk's going to do that, and it's just because of fantasy football. Everyone's making a big deal about nothing. One, two targets, one catch for six yards for Brandon Ayuk. Ugh. At this point. What a miss this was. At this point, you have to wonder. Because, look, there it's not over yet because there is a world where Debo Samuel, like he always does, gets hurt. And Brandon Ayuk steps in, shows Kyle Shanahan what he's missing, and then earns playing time the same way he did last year. Because if you remember, Brandon Ayuk did not play much in the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, that's a pipe dream at this point. And, man, Brandon Ayuk is a hardcore swing and a miss. Uh, right now, in the first, through the two, first two weeks of the season, have to call him bust- the bust oh, of yeah. the season. So Probably far. the biggest bust. Yeah. So I mean, it what so Brandon Brandon Ayuk, if you are if you're desperate, do you cut him? Do you keep him? Do you stash him? You don't, I wouldn't, you don't try and trade I wouldn't, him. I wouldn't cut him just because we've seen what can be last season as a rookie. I just don't understand this fall from Greece. Like I don't I can't comprehend it in my mind to see what he did as a rookie and then this fall from grace his sophomore season. So I'm hoping something changes, you know, and he ends up being a useful fantasy asset again at some point this season. But right now, I, I'd put him on my bench. Like, I, I wouldn't cut him. What if you're really angry at him and you want to make an example? So be it. <laughs> Michael, go ahead. Who's your number? Who's your number? Yeah, one? um... My second stock falling. Um, we can make this one quick, Tim, since we talked about we touched. And my next two we've touched on already, so we can make it rather quick. Uh, Mike Davis. Oh uh, yeah. You'd thought you'd think at least you'd be able to use him in the beginning of this season. No, 
he just he's not very good, and he's on a really bad offense. And now Cordero Patterson, after looking pretty good week one, looked even better week two and got even more work, which is just even worse for Mike Davis. And Cordero Patterson got a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So what are you really using Mike Davis for if you roster him? It's right, good. like at this point, he's he's a he's a desperation flex play in my opinion. Like you, he's a touchdown dependent flex play who's going to get you forty or fifty yards if he doesn't find the end zone. Oof, oh. it's it's not looking good for Mike Davis. Uh, people who drafted Mike Davis, that's for damn sure. Um, my second uh, stock down is James Robinson. Now, James Robinson, you could say his stock is up from week one because he saw most of the touches 11 carries to Carlos Hyde's two he saw most of the yards 47 to Carlos Hyde's seven uh something we mentioned was Carlos Hyde got a lot of garbage time work which was very important to remember because it was James Robinson the only problem is that this offensive line sucks and last year the Jaguars and James Robinson was a very good player but we mentioned this before he had 90% of the Jaguars' carries. So while James Robinson was a fantastic player, um, I think there needs to be a, a realization that the Jaguars finished dead last in the league in rushing. Dead last. Yeah. And, it, and it was hard. It's, it's hard to remember that because James Robinson was so good. Man, Quintus Cephas almost made a uh, ridiculous one-handed dude, touchdown. Oh my bro. god! If he would have oh, taken man. that down, he would have been. Everyone would have. People would have played like thirty dollars fat for him on the waiver wire if he would have caught that. That would have been nuts. Uh, which, by the way, f- so far in this performance, and we're about to hit halftime. Quentin Cephas, someone you guys are probably going to talk about tomorrow. Um, yeah, looking good. Yeah. With that being said, the Jaguars had Gardner Minshew last year. That's not. They're not going to. Run the focal point of the offense through James Robinson this year. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence through for for better or worse. He went to a uh, against a Broncos defense and completely struggled. Fourteen for thirty three, one hundred and eighteen yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Had a struggle of a game, absolute struggle. They still stuck with him. He threw the ball thirty three times. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Trevor Lawrence show, and that just doesn't leave a lot of room for James Robinson. So, I stock is down on James Robinson right now. He's a flex RB3 type for me. Fair enough. All right, Michael. Uh, who is your second stock falling? Or is this yeah, your, is I'll this close your this off with yeah, another. Yeah, your third. My final one. I'll close this off with uh, another player we've talked about, so we'll make it quick. Um, Antonio Gibson. He's not the first or second round asset that you wanted him to be as long as J.D. McKissick is stealing pass catching work and even sometimes Goal line work, he's going to be good. He's just not going to be that good. And speaking of good but not that good, let's just start, stick with the not that good part. My my stock down is Joseph Mixon. Joseph Mixon. Guys. The one and only. Michael, what you, you tweeted something. What did you tweet? It was It was wonderful. Uh, Jason did actually. Oh, Michael, um, what did he tweet? Twenty touches, seven fantasy points for Joe Mixon. We're in repeat. Twenty touches, sixty nine yards, one catch for two yards. Joe Burrow had a terrible game. 
three, 207 yards, three interceptions, two touchdowns. Dude, that's why we didn't draft Joe Mixon. Yes, the volume is always going to be there. But to get seven fantasy points, seven, eight, if you're playing PPR, eight fantasy points out of a dude who touched the ball 21 times, how often are we just going to let this slide? This is Joe Mixon's entire resume. Is this bullshit? And we just let it slide. Why? Why are there so many Joe Mixon apologists? Explain it to me. I don't know why. What did he do ever that's so great that makes this many people want to believe that this guy doesn't suck? Volume. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, he, like yo, he went to college. He was okay in college, and he beat the shit out of a woman, by the way. Just putting that out there, reminder, he beat the crap out of a woman, came to the NFL on a discount in the third round because of doing that, and then proceeded to have a decent second year. And now five years later, here he is. He's one of the highest paid running backs in the league, and everyone acts like he's good, and I just don't get it. So that's my Joe Mixon rant for the day. We have not had nearly enough Joe Mixon rants on the Broto Fantasy Podcast. Well, he had a good week one. That's why. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just saying we, uh, we've we had several in our lifetime. Yeah. But that's uh, that, Tim. Jamal Williams was just giving daps to the Packers at halftime. I don't like that. I mean, wait, he's wait, like wait best till, friends with some of those guys. Sure. Wait till the end of the game. Eh, you got, now, got now, you're just being, now you're just being a little a little lame. I like I like. Did you see what Jamal Williams said about the... The Packers, of course you did. It's going mad viral. Yeah, Jamal, Jamal Williams is absolutely fantastic. Do you know what's funny, man? He probably got made fun of OD in school for having this exact personality that he has now. Like, yeah. I know so many kids, like, in my school. I teach in the South Bronx, by the way. Yeah, I know so many kids who are just like Jamal Williams. Like, you might look at... You, they're, like, they, they're, like, super athletic. And, like, they, like... They... They're like, if you see them on the football field or on the baseball field or on the basketball court, they're like, holy crap, this kid is so good. And then you talk to him, he's like, this guy's a nerd. I love it. Like, <laughs> I, 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 for me personally, I love nerds. But, like, ki- they, the kids make fun. It's so, it's so weird. Like, sometimes the kids are star, like, it's so on its head because you figure the star quarterback or the star whatever, it, like, the star point guard is going to be, like, the coolest kid in school. But so often it's it's the opposite. It's like... Everyone kind of makes fun of him because school spirit doesn't really exist in New York. It kind of sucks. Yeah, definitely not a definitely not a New York thing. There's a big difference between growing up in like uh, big football towns too, like in Alabama and Georgia and places like that, compared to New York, like where high school football is like the thing to do on like Friday nights and things of that sort. Yeah. It's nothing like that in New York City. For those who are listening and are are not from New York City, like. It was the complete opposite where if you went to the football game or if you had school pride, like, it was corny. Yeah, like, oh, that's the dude who spends all his time, like, doing school shit. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, it, uh, like, it was, like, corny. Like, yo, what do you, what, why, like, yo, fuck LIC. <laughs> yo, I, I, like, yo, the football team sucks. Y'all suck. Uh, our like, football team did suck. Yeah, but I remember in the hallway, like, because every Friday before the games, we would wear our jerseys. Um and in the hallway, people would be like, oh, y'all suck. I was like, yo, if I was in, like, Texas right now, people would be like, oh, it's Tim. Yeah, go get him this weekend. <laughs> That's true. Um, anyway, Michael, where can they find you? At BrotoFF Mike. You can find me at BrotoFF Tim. You can find Jason at BrotoFF Jason. You can find Cass at BrotoSS, at BrotoFF Casanova. 
I, did, I feel like saying it like that, like sexy voice, but like a little Latin sexy voice, Casanova. I feel like that's that's the way that you just got to say Casanova. Like, can you say, like, like I can't say it anywhere else. I don't know. Um, what else? Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. BrotoFantasy.com, which doesn't get enough love from us these days ever since we released the app, is still one of the greatest websites on earth. So go check yeah, that website even, out. Even with the app... Um, brotofantasy.com site usage has been up tremendously this season compared to this year compared to last year. And so, last year was up double the year before that. Yeah, so we are on a nice little upward trajectory here. So please keep it coming, folks. Please keep it coming. It gives us it gives us strength. For real, like it gives us the the strength and desire to keep going because as you guys know, Jason's in law school. Um I'm a first-time father. Michael a full-time job, full-time lady. Like, there's things that we lo- we we play sports, we have hobbies, but we love this shit, and we love doing it. We love providing you guys with winning information. We love being part of the community. We love doing it, and uh, we love we love talking about fantasy on microphones. We love it all, and uh, your support is what uh, drives us and what keeps us going. So, uh, just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, even if you're not a patron uh, and you're not contributing to us monetarily, thank you anyway for being a listener and contributing your ears to the cause. We appreciate it, and we hope that the information we're giving you is winning you championships, baby, because what else are we here for? Am I right? True that. All right. With that being said, uh, that's all from us on this 25 extra minute. Bo- so, like We got like an extra bonus episode on this one. Uh, with that being said, we out. Later. Later.